Having said that, now I'd like to turn your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 6, the text for today. First Timothy 6. We have two verses. Let's all rise now for the reading of God's holy word. This is the word of the Lord. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. All right. We are continuing our series in 1 Timothy, and this week we find a little shift in focus. Uh, much of 1 Timothy was uh, the Apostle Paul addressing the church as if it's a household, and this week he seems to be drawing our attention outward uh, to our endeavors in the world. And I know it's the weekend, and many of us on the weekend like to step away from work, but this morning it seems that the Lord would have us reflect on work, on our endeavors. And practically, that is a reason why many of us see Sunday as the first day of the week and Monday as the second, even though a lot of times we feel Monday with our work begins the week. But as a modern rap artist said, the week start on Monday, but the strong start on Sunday. So as we think about work and what God's word has to say, I want us to consider uh, what work looks like for many of us. The workforce, uh, to some degree, uh, has been primarily binary, right? You have a white collar or blue collar. And, and, and nowadays, we, we start to see that the world and the workforce has developed a third way. There was the traditional white collar office jobs and then the blue collar uh, labor force, and now uh, the world seems to offer to us a third way, a better way. And many of us think that this is the way. Some of you are on, you're in the joy of this third category. And it's a way that provides a sense of purpose, satisfaction. Uh, it feels lasting. It feels like it's bigger than yourselves. Uh, it gives you a vision and a purpose and uh, most importantly, it gives you um, nap pods and bicycles to ride around your work campuses, meals, standing desks, or treadmill desks. And uh, for some, you can do work in your pajamas and work remotely. The world seems to have given us this answer, this third way, this almost no-collar category where we can work remotely, find deep purpose and satisfaction in the vision and, and the, the mission of the company. An article in Forbes talked about how millennials or the, the young folks have really changed the workforce. Because of the drive and the worldview of these young group of people, we see that the workplace has changed in culture. Not only are the hard skills 
you know, knowing that one plus one equals two, but also knowing that when we talk with someone, uh, what makes them excited or passionate, that an emotional or soft skill is important. Forbes also says that because of the nature of the current young workforce, that the workplace was driven and challenged to give more transparency and be more authentic, to be vision and mission-oriented, to be a company or an organization that is bigger than just itself. And also it says that there is a revolution to work remotely on a laptop. And who doesn't like going to a cafe, having cute breakfast items and pastries and drinking fancy coffee? They also say it, it gives a strong balance of, of work and personal life, and it adds to it the beauties of modern technology. And many of us, particularly me, when I hear of uh, the no-collar third way of this world, I get jealous. And I, and I think about places like the Silicon Valley and Google and Facebook, and, and I wonder, what would it be like to work at a standing desk? And it just so happens in our office we have one. And uh, it's not that comfortable or awesome. You know, but I thought, what would it be like if we had a bicycle to ride around the church, you know, for meetings? What would it be like if we can work remotely? And I realized, oh, in some ways, I'm also enjoying the third category of this workforce. But I think we would all agree, whether you are uh, still in the traditional white collar or blue collar, even in this new young movement of purpose-driven no-collar life, that all of us feel a sense of emptiness and a desire to be satisfied and a desire to have purpose and meaning behind what we do. If you're a no-collar, yeah, the joys of working in this type of field is that you get to stay in your pajamas or sweatpants, you can go to coffee shops and do your work, but at the same time, it's so flexible, it feels like there's no, there's no line or there's no disciplines or boundaries. The day-to-day -day doesn't feel too inspiring. If you are in the white collar force, you still have to get buttoned up and you clock in and out and you, and you, and you like to imagine that your work and your home life is separate, but, but often you feel busy. You can't finish the projects you started at home and, and every weekend it seems like something comes up and you can't give the time that you want to the family. If you're a blue collar labor force worker, you, you still have to lace up and uniform yourself to go. And even though you work the long hours, your, your, your hope is that uh, eventually you'll save enough or eventually you'll find a better job. And yet the struggle is living paycheck to paycheck, you still feel empty and disappointed and that you should be in a better place or at a better job than this. And for all these three categories, the hope is that at one point we will retire, rest, and live the life we want to. And I realized that some of us are now above the collar. Some of us are uh, retired or uh, don't need to be employed, have saved enough. And even these people would admit in their heart of hearts that not working has not helped them feel more satisfied. Whether you work or you don't work, we can't deny that in our innate sense, there is a desire to be purposeful and driven towards something that is greater than ourselves. And so today, God's word addresses work. And, and the gospel message I want us to, to consider, it's very simple, is this. Every worker 
has a greater call in Christ. Every worker has a greater call in Christ. And we're going to ask three questions. Basically, what is a bondservant? How should one conduct themselves as a bondservant? And why should a bondservant conduct themselves in this way? So if we look at verse 1, it says, Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants. In the Greek text here, in the original language, the word here used is doulos. And every time I see this word, I think about uh, a pastor that I know. He, had it, he has it tattooed. Uh, well, supposedly. I never saw it with my own eyes. But legend has it. That he has a tattoo that says doulos. And it's like, whoa, pastor, I'm a slave of Christ. I'm a slave of righteousness. And, and it uses this word. And the, the broad translation is slave or servant. And, but I think uh, the translation bondservant helps us to see contextually a better understanding of what the Bible is getting at. Slaves and servants in the New Testament, and that which the Bible refers to, is, a, is within a different paradigm of probably what you and I understand with the backdrop of the North American type of slavery. Uh, slaves or servants or doulos in the New Testament uh, didn't resemble or look like what you and I know uh, as slavery here in America. Because we see all throughout the Bible that God actually does not condone slavery and trafficking human life for labor. And this was not supported in the Bible, and this is not what the Lord is pleased with. In fact, we see in first case in Exodus that God actually engages, draws near to the oppressed, the enslaved, and liberates them. So this idea of do loss is, is best understood as bond servants or employee. And, and, and so we see in the New Testament era that bond servants, they were either indebted to someone and, and they, then they were brought in for employment so they could be paid or work off their wages. And they were also treated in ideal cases with much dignity and, and with work uh, where they were entrusted with the master's finances, where they were even sent as an ambassador to represent the business and the estates of the master. And so here, the New Testament interpretive translation of doulos can be best understood as bond servants or employees, those who are employed and bound to service for wages. If we look in Romans 6.22, it even mentions here in a positive way, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, and so here is using the same word doulos in the positive sense, bondservants of God, representatives of God, those who have been stewarded His things, we have to understand that as bondservants, we are referring to those who are working and employed and making a living. And that then, I think, applies to all of us here. So then how should we, or as bondservants, conduct ourselves? Again here it says, then all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. So second point, how should bond servants, how should you and I conduct ourselves as employees or as ones that are engaged in business transactions with people? Well, we are to regard 
our bosses or our interactive relational business partners with all honor. This is a tough command because every Christian who is then employed or involved in a business relationship is called to respect, honor, and hold their bosses in high esteem, being worthy of honor. And how often, friends, brothers and sisters, do we think of our masters or our bosses or employers in this way? I think if we're honest, and I'll be the first one to admit, uh, we often think that those who are above us or in, in working relationship with us in business are lazy, incompetent, unfair, ignorant, unqualified, unworthy. We think, if I was the boss, we think, if, if I were in his or her shoes, we think, if, if he or she doesn't know what she's talking about, or they need to know this, or they don't understand, we think someone should tell them, someone should show them, someone needs to correct them. I should be in their shoes. I should be the one getting paid more. I should be in that place of high esteem and honor. And all these things may be true and valid. I know some of us work for difficult or horrible bosses. But the command here is to still regard them worthy of all honor. Some of us sitting in this room actually are in working relationship with one another. Some of you guys have uh, been gracious enough to employ other brothers and sisters here in this church. Some of you guys work for people in this church. And some of you guys are in business relationship together. And I found that when Christians work together, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also a very difficult thing. It's beautiful because you see men and women laboring together, hopefully for things that are more than about just money or the bottom line, but you see beautiful things where they start to try to uh, uh, be mission oriented or, or showing love and be examples of Christ. At the same time, we see some of the most ugly things come out when Christians come together. If I can confess to you, I've worked for a few Christian people, and I, I often found myself really upset. You know, I, I always felt like they expected more of me just because I was Christian. I felt like they expected me to work harder and do more for less compensation because, well, I'm a Christian and I'm not doing it for the money, right? I felt that they ex expected me to go above and beyond because my master is Christ. And I have to uh, hypo hypocritically uh, confess to you as well, I've also taken advantage of my Christian bosses too, you know? I, I thought to myself, I can be a little late. I mean, they gotta show me grace. They're Christians too. Right? Or at sometimes I, I, I felt that I could uh, project onto them some of my uh, difficult personal situations as if that should uh, change the type of work or the amount of work or how long I have to stay that day. And, and when they didn't agree to it, I thought, man, what kind of Christian is this? They can't even cut me some slack or, or give me a break here. What kind of Christian is this? They know what my life is like, and they know I'm working hard, but they can't even bump me up or acknowledge that or, 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 or fight for me. And often when Christians are in working relationship together, uh, even though it's beautiful, there, there are a lot of things that come out because we, we project this Christian expectation on one another, but not for ourselves. 
And so the Apostle Paul, as he was writing to Timothy, we see in the context that this is going on in, in the early church as well, that in the worship service, perhaps as Timothy is preaching in the church in Ephesus, there are masters and bondservants sitting in the same room, and as they're hearing things like, you are free in Christ, you are liberated, much of the bondservants thought, man, I don't need to work anymore. I'm my own employer. And we start to see a disruption in a co-laboring. And so we see here that, that, that all who are employed, or, or broadly speaking, all who are engaged in business together, they are to regard their masters or partners worthy of all honor so that, so that the name of God and his teaching may not be reviled and go on. In fact, in verse 2, it, it, it says this, Those who have believing masters must not, must not be disrespectful on the grounds that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. It's saying, Christians, are the people you're working with fellow Christians? Then don't take advantage of the, of the Christian type of relationship. Don't take advantage and think just because you guys are both Christians that, that you can do whatever you want, that you don't have to quite follow the rules. No. Respect and honor one another. Consider each other worthy of all honor. And if you are a, a, an employee serving and working for an employer, then, then you are to consider them worthy of all honor. Honor. Why? Because the work you're doing is benefiting also a fellow brother or sister in Christ. And this is a general principle for Christians in the work first. Know that the work you do is not just during the nine to five, that the work you're doing is not just for the purpose and mission of the company statement, but that the work you're doing is supposed to better and, 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 and grow and, and enhance and fan the flames, the things, the kingdom of God. And so if there are any in this room that are working relationship together or employed or employing, the challenge of God's word is to work in such a way where you're serving one another. So employees, uh, whether you think your bosses are great or not. Work diligently as if you are working for the Lord. Employers, whether you think your employees are lazy or incompetent, be their advocate. Be a boss in such a way where they too can, can experience and, and, and see more than just a paycheck, more than just a worldly purpose. It's addressing relationships one another. You know, how many times have we uh, found joy in receiving a bonus or a commission and then go, wait a minute, this is my bonus and commission. How much is the guy on top making? Or how many times have, have we uh, gotten a promotion and it lasted for a little bit and then sometime after we felt like, man, I still deserve more than this? How many times have we uh, entered a job that we thought was just our dream and then after a few months we started applying and looking elsewhere so quickly? How often do we find ourselves working just for a paycheck? And how often do we find ourselves at the same time desiring more than just money and a job, yet stuck between the two? As Christians, we're told that as workers, as bond servants, 
We're not working just for a paycheck. We're not working just to make a living, but we're working to advance the message of Jesus Christ. And so Ephesians 6, 5 through 9 here addresses this as well. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. What Ephesians 6 is telling us is that, are you an employee? Do you have a boss? Well, know that your ultimate boss is God. Are you employing others? Then know that even though you're a boss or a master, you too have a greater boss and a master who is God. It, again, as much as the Christian message does, levels the playing field, and it says whether you're a boss or a bondservant, know that we are all servants of God. Your ultimate master is God. He's the one that gave you that job. He's the one that answered your prayers and given you these opportunities. He's the one that provides for you and sustains you. And he's the one that allows those business uh, contracts to go. He's the one that has allowed you to pass the health inspection. He's the one that has allowed you for all the building codes to happen. He's the one who has allowed you to receive that loan and credit so that you can move forward. He's the one who has allowed you to continue to hire others in faith so that they can too labor with you. We think a lot of times in the workplace we earn what we work for, but Christians, particularly those who are highly successful, yes, much of your success is due to your hard work, but at the end of the day it is because God in his good pleasure saw fit to bless you in that way, so don't be puffed up. We're being reminded here that all these things... The blessings of work, the blessings of of salary is God blessing you that he is your ultimate master, not your boss, not the higher ups, not the other companies you're trying to partner with or, or, or win over. God is your master. God is your paymaster. And I've shared with you this illustration multiple times, but I'll just tell it briefly. That's one of the biggest things I learned in seminary as I was working in lawn care, just cutting grass. Right, I shared with you that I was making $13.33 an hour, and I was like, wow. And I'm honest, at that, I've never made that much money, $13.33 an hour. And I was like, this is great. I get to be outside. I get to be in nature. I get to cut grass. The summer rolls around. It's like 100 degrees. It's humid. I'm chafing all over, and I'm sweating. Sweat's going in my eye, and I'm still like, man, I'm still making good money. Talking to my friend, he's also working on campus at the IT department. He's telling me it's cold because the room is air-conditioned. He's telling me that he just plays games on the computer, and once in a while when a professor needs help, he goes to set up the, the projector. I was like, oh, man, I get to work outside. Man, I get paid $13.33. Oh, I'm blessed. Then he's like, yeah, you know, I get paid $15 something. I was like, wait a minute now. What do you mean? You don't do you just told me you take naps and you're too cold, and then and all you do is sit on the computer. 
And I started to feel my self-worth equated to my salary. Some of you guys make maybe close to $13.33 an hour, in all seriousness. And some of you guys make way, way, way more than that. Know that whether you're receiving a little or a lot, that's not just coming because of your credentials. That's becoming from God. You think you got your grades, your credentials, your schooling, and you think that you have made a way for yourself, but in fact, it was God who has blessed you and allowed you on this path, in this job, receiving this kind of income and salary. The Lord knows what you need. He provides for you. He sustains you. God is your pay master. So don't work in such a way where you're trying to please somebody else. Don't work in such a way where you're trying to, to increase your own worth or identity. Because God says the work I've given you doesn't define you. It helps you to be more fruitful for the kingdom. And the second thing I want to draw us to is, is we're not in this rat race, right? In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 25, says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises control, self-control in all things. They do it to receive a, a perishable wreath or a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. Uh, what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians, like everyone's running this race, right? But, but, but I, I've preached on this before. A lot of us are running in this rat race, this corporate ladder, or trying to climb or, or secure for ourselves a retirement. But Paul's saying, don't run in that kind of rat race. Run in the royal race, where the things that we receive in the royal race do not fade. Matthew 6, 19, 21, Jesus says to, to, to lay up your treasures in heaven. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's no guarantee that just because we're saving money for the future that the future is going to be bright. Don't, don't run in a race where, where the future is determined by how much you can make now or what you can do now. Run in a race where the future has already been secured for all eternity. We don't run or work or strive for a crown that is fleeting, for a treasure that is scattered and, 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 and temporary. As Christians, we are running a royal race for a crown that does not fade. So last point. Why should we conduct ourselves in this way? Why should we conduct ourselves in this way? The last part here, verse 1, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. And let me just put this very simply. Our ultimate work, whether you're a pastor, you're in the restaurant, you're in landscaping, you're a doctor or a lawyer, an entrepreneur, an artist, a teacher, a stay-at-home parent, whatever the work you are doing, our ultimate work through these earthly works is to spread the gospel of Jesus, the glory of God, and the teachings according to Scripture. Why should we as bondservants regard our own masters worthy of all honor? So that 
the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Meaning, positively, so that those who work in close relationship with you, those who are engaged in a working relationship, can also see the gospel. I imagine a lot of non-Christians are tired of Christians at the workforce, at the workplace, talking about Jesus, but acting like not Jesus. Why should we conduct ourselves in this way? Because our ultimate work is to spread the gospel. Now, this sounds simple. It might sound trite. It might sound like it doesn't quite connect. But let me tell you this, right? In the beginning, we established it doesn't matter if you're no-collar, white-collar, blue-collar. Everyone I've talked to, no matter how much money they make or don't make, usually find a difficulty in being satisfied with the work they do. I talk with young millennials who make great money and they're just constantly applying to new jobs. I talk with old folks who thought that they uh, are, are, are in what, they, what, they, what their dream job is, whether it's retirement or finally established, and they're still not satisfied. I talked with retired people. They're not working, and they thought now they can travel and do all they want, but, but they want to still apply themselves to something. In us, because God has put eternity in our hearts, there is, there is a desire to not just work, but work for something that is lasting and meaningful. And even though we're finite beings, because we're made in God's image, We want to give ourselves to a work that is beautiful and lasting. And so what what I'm trying to challenge us and and help us to see is if if you are a Christian, then that, that, that is the very truth. No matter what job you have, no matter what kind of work you're doing, you have a purpose because your ultimate call is to spread the gospel of Jesus who died for sin and, and, and loves the broken. Let me just go to the quote here. I should have started with this maybe. It's what Tim Keller says in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He says, our daily work can be a calling only if it is reconceived as God's assignment to serve others. What does this mean? This, this means, are you, are you dissatisfied at your workplace? Are you, are you unhappy at, 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 the, at clocking in and out? Are you tired of lacing up, uniforming, buttoning up, sitting, meeting, driving, flying, shaking hands, talking, negotiating, smiling when you're not happy? Are you tired of working for a company that, that, that feels like has no direction or direct meaning to you? Do you feel like no matter how much money you make or don't make, you still don't feel like the things that you're doing when you wake up in the morning mean anything? Well, as a Christian, what we're being told today is that our, 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 our work in the earthly sense, the earthly work that we do, if we see it through the lens of our heavenly work, then that earthly work is also meaningful. That means you can be a janitor, you can, you can be a restaurant owner or a waiter or a waitress or something what we perceive as way up in the social ladder. It doesn't matter because God has positioned all of us in all aspects of the world and workforce so that 
We don't earn and make a living for ourselves, but so that we can share the gospel. See, we've established before that the gospel isn't just for the rich people. It's not just for the poor people. It's not only just for those uh, who, 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 are, who are in certain parts of the world. It's not, it's not isolated to certain race of people, but it is for all. That's why in a church, the, the, the beauty and the hope is that our people would be in every area of the workforce doing their work faithfully, doing their earthly work faithfully, but through that, proclaiming and doing a heavenly work that is eternal. Don't just get a job because it pays better. Don't just get a job or do a job because it can give you the life that you want. Don't do a job or seek a job because you feel like it'll satisfy you. No earthly endeavor will satisfy you. No earthly reward will satisfy you. This morning, all of us, I hope, realizes that first, that in Christ there is freedom from the broken systems and endless ladders of this world. Second, in Christ there is there is a deeper calling. No matter what job or type of employment you are in, there is a deeper calling to proclaim the joy and the eternal satisfaction that we have that when all of this passes away, we have eternal rest and glory and praise and joy with one another. We have treasures in heaven. So let me conclude by giving you uh, these two verses Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as I preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. This is Paul writing in jail. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ and Jesus with eternal glory. What if this was our mentality as we work? I endure everything. I endure unfair treatment. I endure underpayment. I endure long hours. I endure all these things, not so that I can get a paycheck and move up in life, but I endure everything for the sake of the elect that have yet to obtain salvation. I endure everything so that as I work here, I can have an opportunity to meet someone and they can come to know Christ. What if that was our mentality? I endure everything in the workplace so that those who have yet to be found in Christ are found in him. Galatians 6, 9, 10, and this will be the last verse I leave us with. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of God. This verse is particularly personal for me because I remember uh, that one day in seminary when it was really hot outside and I came in to use the bathroom and get a drink of water and just, um, you know, soak a little bit, be bitter about my work. And I look at the bulletin and on a thumbtack, um, someone had put this verse up. And at first it really made me angry. I'm just like, yo, you don't know what kind of work I have to do. You don't know what I'm going through. How dare you try to encourage me? And I... And I read this verse, let us not grow weary of doing good, because in due season, God will give us, God will reward us, God will provide for us. 
let's continue to do good, especially for those who are in the household of faith and as well as those who are not, so that they can be brought into the household of faith. Brothers and sisters, we begin this week today on Sunday, and, and, and I hope that as we, as we uh, go back to our jobs tomorrow, that you would see your work uh, in, a, in, a, in a greater calling, that you do have a calling at your workplace, you do have a purpose, and that's not just to climb up, but it's, it's to share the gospel. So let's pray, and, and I'll ask us to reflect a little bit.